State of the NOS podcast. This is the freeway entrance. I'm Dusty Baker and Derek Johnson is merging along with me here. He was not here last week. He is back this week, but he will not be back for another two weeks because he's going on a very different freeway. In fact, it's technically not even a highway as we call it. Uh, Derek, you are going to Germany. You got to be pretty stoked about that. Me and my wife had a conversation before we were going to go to Germany. We said, uh, we need to just make sure before we go, Chris Bryant has to have one home run before we go. So it's not looking good, not looking good, but uh, yeah, we'll see. The plan is to leave in a few days here. Chris Bryant's going to curse your German trip. As Derek knows, I have an obsession with sitcoms. I have a problem where I just binge watch all of them. And so I was way, way late on watching How I Met Your Mother. And I watched all of it in like three weeks, which is insane because that's like over 200 episodes. I have a real problem. I do. I watched baseball and I watched How I Met Your Mother over the last month, basically. So Derek's watched it too. And so this is what we're going to do, Derek, for our fielder's choice. First of all, I have to ask you, overall, did you like it? And specifically the finale, did you like it? Kind of a two-part question there. Love the series. Finale, I was a mixed bag on because I, I kind of got like the direction they were trying to go there. If you rewatch the series after watching it once, because I've seen it through twice. My wife's seen it like probably four or five times. And it, the more you rewatch it, the more you realize after you see the finale, like, okay, it makes sense because they were setting this up and, and it's always focused on that. Um, so I get what they were doing, but I don't necessarily love it. I loved it and I thought it was brilliant the way that they wrote it. And so for this baseball comparison, I'm going to look at how the emotions were once you finished it for the first time. What were those emotions like in comparison to a baseball game, what you may have felt for a baseball game? So for me, I have two kind of similar feelings that I had as when I finished How I Met Your Mother. One of those feelings, it was when the Dodgers actually lost to the Giants in 2012. The reason why, for the Dodgers-Giants, Dodgers were one game away from making the playoffs, and they lost after a Mark Ellis Liner to center field, diving play by Angel Pagan. It was just painful. But then Vince Scully said the words that I will never forget. He says, that's just the way this game is. You win, you lose, you celebrate, and you suffer. And that same narration when he said that gave me the same chills as when you actually heard Ted finally say, and that is how I met your mother. And the same chills hit me that same way. The other one was when the Dodgers beat the Nationals and Clayton Kershaw was running out to go finish the game. And when you heard Clayton Kershaw is running out to the mound, I got the same chills as I did when it actually showed the mother and obviously Ted meeting for the first time. Those were the two kind of moments for me. Farhan does it his way. That's the same thing with, with how I met your mother. Like I totally understand the ending, but you know, I get what they were trying to do. Right. Um, and, it, and it worked. Um, and it was the end of last season, you lose to the Dodgers and, and that's so tough. You lose to your rival in the first round of playoffs in a hard fought series in game five to where that's kind of like the end of it. There's a little bit of a bitter piece of it, but honestly, like I didn't come away from that. Like it's crushing from that standpoint, but you know, the Giants hadn't been to a playoffs in a few years. You win 107 games. It was a remarkable season all the way through. You get pushed to the limit by the other best team over the course of the regular season in baseball. It was like, I, I very much enjoyed the journey and I was able to reflect back on that. It's just the end left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. That was really, really well thought out, actually. I like that one a lot. We're going to move on to the high tide headlines, though, the current happenings right now around baseball. For the Dodgers, they have Clayton Kershaw now activated, but on the other end, 
Walker Bueller, he is out two to three months with a flexor strain. He's shut down for six to eight weeks at the minimum. And then they also have Kevin Pillar out for the season with season-ending shoulder surgery. Derek, the rotation is concerning with Walker Bueller out for this length. And he was not looking good before this injury. No, it makes me wonder like how much he was pitching through some pain there because the strikeout numbers weren't there at all. Um, maybe this could be you know, the best thing for him kind of in the long term. But if Tyler Anderson and Tony Gonsolin keep pitching like, you know, legit Cy Young candidates, then, then maybe it won't matter. But yeah, clearly the Dodgers are going to be in the market for some starting pitching. 16-0 and between Anderson and Gonsolin. I don't think anybody had that on their cards to open the season. The San Diego Padres with Fernando Tatis Jr. This is the theme almost every week with our headlines. He had a CT scan, and it didn't reveal the level of healing they had hoped for. He is, however, playing catch. Probably not the news that they, the Padres fans, at least, wanted to hear at this time. No, but they're still hanging in there. Um, they've worked the run differential, which for a while early in the season, the record was there. Run differential wasn't. Now they're one of the best teams in terms of run differential. It's not all because of the hitting. They're kind of like an above-average hitting team. Like Eric Hosmer's kind of fallen off. But some of the other middle infielders or guys that can play multiple positions in helping fill in for Fernando Tatis have been pretty good here. Um, Yerkson Profar was hot to start the season, fell off a bit. Now he's kind of on an uptake again. Jake Cronenworth's finally figuring it out. Some other news with the Padres. Robert Suarez hit the 15-day IL. He has knee surgery due to an inflammation. Clevenger and Morahone have been placed on the COVID IL. Robinson Cano, he is actually staying with the Padres. He actually signed a minor league deal with the organization. And then we have two prospects that we're going to list in these headlines because they're just putting up bonkers numbers right now. This is a guy that I've been salivating over probably for the last two weeks looking at his numbers. That's Esti Yuri Ruiz. He was called up to AAA this past week in eight games, Derek. He had 40 plate appearances. He already has four home runs. He has two doubles, six RBIs, 14 runs. He's 15 for 32. That gives him a slash line of 469, 575, and 906 slugging. That's an OPS good for 1.481, which is insane. But maybe the craziest stat, he has seven steals already in eight games. In AA, he had a total of 37 steals while also having a slash line of 344, 474, 611. It's pretty insane to see what this kid is doing. Yeah, I just, I just want to know why he's not up yet. Who, who do you think makes it up first? Uh, Ruiz or C.J. Abrams making it back up? Because Abrams is, is hitting really well in AAA as well. I think Abram should because, A, he's on the 40-man. Ruiz is not even on the 40-man, and that's what's a little surprising. You have to wonder if Denelson Lamette may be the reason why, and so maybe the Padres are right now realizing that because there is a struggle right now in the outfield between Mazzara and, of course, Grisham's been struggling. They could really use Ruiz in the outfield. With Tatis not healing up, though, I think Abrams is going to be the first guy, knowing that he's on the 40-man roster. But that's a great question because both of those guys – deserve to be moved up at this time. But I, I don't understand why Ruiz isn't up right now either. He is just lights out. We're going to get to another prospect in just a second. The San Francisco Giants, one really tough piece of news, Jacob Junis, who has just been really phenomenal at the start of the season. 15-day IL, he heads to that with a left hamstring strain. Derek, what kind of strain does this put on the rotation? Yeah, I, I don't know if this is going to be something that takes a while because that's not something you think of as like a natural pitching injury. So I don't think it, it'll kill him too bad. It's funny because it's easy to look at the Giants and say, well, why didn't they pay Kevin Gossman? They, they probably have the money for it. Imagine that, that punch at the top with Gossman, Rodon, and Webb. That would be great and all. But the funny part of that is if 
they had Kevin Gossman. Jacob Junis like probably never gets a shot here. And he has been so good. They've done such a great job of utilizing that slider that it's always been a nice pitch for him, but he's using it more than ever. I mean, last year he even used it 40% of the time as his main pitch. Now it's up over 50% of the time. Teams are only hitting 181 against it. He's just been filthy with that, and he's been one of their most consistent options. It's, it's kind of like similar to Tony Gonsolin with the Dodgers. Hopefully he comes back healthy because he's been fun to watch. He definitely has developed uh, since his time in Kansas City. The Colorado Rockies, tough news for them too. They don't have a very good bullpen. One of the pieces that was solid was Tyler Kinley, but he is undergoing elbow surgery. He has an ulnar nerve issue, and he's likely to miss the rest of the season. It, it doesn't get much worse for the Colorado Rockies, Derek. They are 28th in the MLB in bullpen ERA. So, yes, it, I guess it can get worse. They could be 30th, but not much worse. They may find themselves there after this injury. That is very tough news. All right, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they signed Dallas Keuchel. And just a couple shows ago, Derek and I had talked about how the Dodgers might sign him just because of having a lack of starting pitching depth. But the Diamondbacks take him on a minor league deal. In addition, they also have Nick Ahmed undergoing shoulder surgery. He, however, could return in 2022. First of all, any thoughts on either of those moves at this time? No, makes sense. I mean, they don't have as much depth with the pitching. Gallon's been falling off a little bit. They're 18th in starter ERA because of kind of the back end guys. So why not? Uh, best case scenario for them, he pitches well for a few weeks and, and maybe they have another trade chip at the deadline. Well, the other prospect that we were going to talk about, Derek's going to love this one because in our Keeper League, he owns Carroll. It is Corbin Carroll of the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's in double A right now and in 200 at-bats. He has 10 doubles, 7 triples, 14 home runs, 19 stolen bases, a 330-449-660 slash line. That's good for a 1.109 OPS. He has struck out a little bit more than you'd want to see, 60 Ks in 51 games. However, this guy is just absolutely mashing right now, Derek, and there's a argument out there that he may be the best prospect at this time in the minor leagues he is so much fun I, I got a hold of him a couple years ago in a dynasty league when he was still a big prospect but it was kind of like Alec Thomas and, and gosh maybe even Seth Beer was ahead of him at that point um, he's even though the strikeout rate like you said it's not like high but it's it's higher maybe than you'd like He's still 21 at AA, which is younger than the, the average age there at that level. So that's something that I always kind of look at with the K rate. Like, what's your age compared um, to the level there? He is so good. Um, I do want to make mention, though, of another prospect here for the Diamondbacks, if that's cool. How about Stone Garrett? That is a great name. Stone Garrett. That's a great baseball name. He's in AAA. He's 26 years old. He had an 825 OPS in 2021. Here's what he's doing this year. He's kind of like a, a lesser version of a Sturry Ruiz. Uh, 301, 365, 617 slash line. Good for a 982 OPS. He has 15 home runs, 52 driven in, 11 steals in 58 games played. He's another outfielder. So you have Corbin Carroll. Alec Thomas is hitting well, especially over the last week. You got this Stone Garrett guy possibly coming up. I love the future Diamondbacks outfield. I, I, who would have thought that we would be saying positive things about the Diamondbacks this year, but we've said a lot of them, and I, I agree. I think that that's, that's a great name to throw out there. I've seen some of the numbers. I didn't realize they were that good recently, uh, and that's a great name. So, yes, would love to see him come up, uh, but, man, there's a lot of competition in that outfield. Maybe they'll do some shifting. I'm really excited, though, Derek, about Corbin Carroll. This kid is very special. All right, moving on, cruising the coast. We go through our standings in the division right now. And, Derek, it has changed at the top of the division at the day of recording. 
The five tool friars are in first place. The San Diego Padres are in first place for the first time in 12 years. That is remarkable to think about. Um, they have a half a game lead over the Dodgers right now. They're 41 and 24, eight and two in their last 10. They won two of three against the Mets at home. They split two of four with Colorado. Then they split split four on the road at Wrigley with the Cubs. So now they have three in Colorado, three at home against the Diamondbacks and four against the Phillies. What is working for these Padres? I mean, they have kind of just the magic touch, even without Fernando Tatis. Like I said, Cronenworth is kind of picking it up right now. Hosmer's even fallen off a bit. They're 12th in WRC+, plus, but what's carrying them the most, the pitching. They are 8th in bullpen ERA. The trade they made for Taylor Rogers has really secured the back end of the bullpen. They go out and get Luis Garcia. He's been really good for them. And they're 3rd in starter ERA. You Darvish, if you especially take out, I think it was second or third start of the season against the Giants, you have up like nine runs. If you take that game out of the equation, he'd be having like an all-star level season. And honestly, the way he's going right now, like he, he may get back to that point anyway. Um, but it's been led by Joe Musgrove. He's been unreal. He's been one of the top candidates for the Cy Young so far. The pitching has been dominant. And um, gosh, that's incredible. The first time they're leading the division in 12 years, which funny enough, 2010, they blew that big like six and a half game lead on the Giants with like a month or two to go. Yeah, the, the Padres are going to milk this for as long as they can, and rightfully so, because they've done this without their best player. And so uh, imagine what this team can look like with Tatis, maybe also with Abrams, uh, his second time in the MLB. Uh, I expect his next call-up to be a very positive experience for him. And then maybe Ruiz, too. They, they've got a lot of really exciting pieces on this team, and you hit the nail on the head. Musgrove has just been dominant, and overall the pitching looking great. And uh, I might add, too, with you, Darvish, he's also now a coach because his own son – already looks like he's going to be a future MLB star, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Okay, going to the second place LA Dodgers, something we didn't really see coming. They've really struggled. They're four and six in their last 10 games. They're 39 and 23 overall. That's still a pretty decent record. They won two of three at the White Sox. Then they swept they were swept in three by the Giants. That was a big, tough series for them. Uh, they really couldn't muster any runs. San Francisco shutting them down completely. The Dodgers come back home, though, and they take a two-game sweep, if you will, of the Angels at home. Now they have three at home against the Guardians, three on the road in Cincinnati, and then three on the road for what I think is going to be a huge series with the Atlanta Braves. The Dodgers are kind of hard to figure out right now, Derek, especially because their offense has not been producing the way that we all expected they would. No, Cody Bellinger continues to struggle. I, I don't know what to think of Max Muncy because he, he was having such a rough time to start the season. He goes on the IL, comes back, and like the first week he's back, it, it looks like, oh, man, is Max Muncy back to form? And now he's kind of cooled back down again, so that would be a big hit not to have him. Obviously, you have the injuries to worry about there, but they are overall first in, in starter ERA and third in WRC+. Plus, so still finding a way to do it. The, the Giants series was weird because you could make a case the Dodgers probably should have won the series, to be honest. They had so many different chances, especially in late-inning situations with runners at you know, first and third with nobody out or bases loaded with one out or second and third with one out or something. And they just couldn't capitalize. And sometimes you have a series that that happened. Um, my biggest question, though, for the, the Dodgers, and I'm curious what you think about this, like what is your trust level right now for the back end and, and maybe just the bullpen in general? Because like Daniel Hudson has been good overall, but then as soon as he gets uh, lifted into the ninth inning, all of a sudden he gives up some runs. Or Craig Kimbrell has kind of struggled this season. Obviously, Blake Trinan being injured uh, doesn't help things either. So what is kind of your trust level in the Dodgers bullpen? 
Oh, it's at a D. It's a D at best. Um, honestly, I have a theory. And my theory is this. If Dustin May, who we're not really hearing a lot about right now, but if he can come back healthy and come back in the second half, they're not going to extend him this year. There's no way that they're going to let him go more than you know two innings. But if he can prove that he can go one really intense, high-strung inning and pitch into high leverage, I would not be surprised if Dustin May in October is the Dodgers' closer. I, I really wouldn't. Um, that's a very, very bold prediction. But he arguably has the best stuff out of any pitcher on that team. And so imagine him coming in with the movement he has. It's going to really depend on his health. Uh, but I actually think that is the closer for the Dodgers at the end of the year uh, because Craig Kimbrell is not cutting it, and you, you mentioned it right there. I mean, there are really no relievers. I would add Gratterall. Gratterall has not looked particularly great either. Um, the numbers necessarily don't show the whole story with Gratterall. He is not a trusted option either. And so it's tough to say right now, uh, but the Dodgers not in a great position in that back end, as you had mentioned. The rotation, there's not a lot of depth there either. But the team that swept them, we're moving on to the third-place team. They're not far behind. That is the San Francisco Giants. They're 35-27, and 7-3 and in their last 10 games. They lost two of three at home versus the Rockies before then sweeping the Dodgers in three. Then they won two of three against the Royals at home. Now they have three on the road in Pittsburgh, four in Atlanta. That is a great, tough series right there. That may be a measuring stick. Then they'll have three back at home against the Reds. Yeah, what are those thoughts, Derek, with what the Giants were able to do with the Dodgers and those other two series? That was big time the Dodgers won because it, it started to feel like, okay, let's just focus on trying to get a wild card. Now it's like, okay, they're, they're still kind of in the thick of things in the division, though still a, a little bit behind with the Dodgers and Padres here. I have a couple concerns. One of them is with the bullpen. They were really good last year. They were really good to start this year, and then they've kind of hit a weird streak here. I, I still think they have enough good arms there that they should be okay. The thing that I'm really worried about is the defense. This is one of the worst defenses I've seen um, from a Giants team. I mean, usually you're used to them kind of shoring those things up. They are 28th in uh, fan graphs um, as far as defensive run saves with, or defensive run saved, which they are just one of two teams in the entire division who's not even in the top half. They're 28th. If you go by overall defensive rating on fan graphs, they are last in the MLB. They are really, really bad at fielding. They constantly are giving up big innings because of plays that, you know, maybe they don't have enough range and what should be an out turns into a hit or an error is made. It's a, it's a very serious problem right now. And it's hurting the pitching staff. Um, you look at, you know, like I've mentioned the starting pitchers, their, their FIPS are actually pretty good for the Giants. But if you don't have a good defense, like that's going to obviously hurt it there. And that's been the case so far. So that may be something that they look to add on to at the deadline here, possible defensive replacement or something to improve that. Because, yeah, you're right. Uh, the one thing that the Giants have done really well at, though, their starting pitching has looked pretty good. Um, and the bullpen has looked very solid, too. Um, curious to see, though, as you kind of mentioned right there, what they do to try and improve with the deadline looming at this time. Okay, to the fourth place Arizona Diamondbacks. They are 30 and 35. They're not quite out of the running for the playoffs right now, but they're four and six in their last 10. They split two of four in Cincinnati. They dropped two of three in Philadelphia, and then they dropped two of three at home against the Reds. So, really bad stretch for them. They have three at home against the Minnesota Twins, three on the road in San Diego, and then they have three at home against the Tigers. Derek, do we think the Diamondbacks have a chance to still be a playoff contender? 
Um, not really, but I, I do think they will be 70 plus wins. I do think they'll continue to be kind of stingy the rest of the season. All right. Well, the team that may not necessarily be taking positive strides, that's the Colorado Rockies four and six in their last 10. Uh, they actually, in fact, played earlier today and they fell to the Cleveland guardians. So their overall record is even worse than what it was at the start of the day, 27 and 37 overall. They had one, two of three in San Francisco. They split two of four on the road in San Diego, and then swept by the Guardians. So now they have three versus the Padres, three on the road in Miami, and three on the road in Minnesota. So what are our expectations for this team now that we just know they basically are out of contention is the best way to put it? I think they might even be worse than the record, sadly. They are 29th in WRC+, 26th in starter ERA, 28th in bullpen ERA, and 29th. In defensive rate. So they're one of the worst teams in the MLB. The record hasn't shown it. They're, they're obviously not good by record, but they're not quite to that level. And how, how about this stat? I, d- I did some digging here. Um, we've mentioned before how in home games, they are so much better than in road games. That's the case again this year, but even in home games, they're below 500. Nonetheless, in their 29 road games this year, they have a negative 62 run differential. And if you prorate that out to a 162 game season, That would be the equivalent of having a negative 346 run differential, which I did more research on this. Uh, By the way, shout out the Cleveland Spiders, worst run differential in MLB history (laughs) at minus 723 in 1899. Um, But as far as the turn of the 20th century, so 1900 on, the worst run differential is the 1932 Boston Red Sox at minus 345. The Rockies right now are on pace to be worse than that when they're playing on the road. That is horrible. That And it's not shocking. The run production has not been there, but the starting pitching is just absolutely awful. Well, we are arriving at our freeway exit. Derek, any final thoughts as to where we're at right now in the NL West? Chris French Fryant. <laughs> I had to get a French fry reference in. Dude, I think this is going to be the new trend right here. We'll see if he hits a home run by the time you come back from Germany, Derek. But that is the last you're going to hear from Derek until July. That is also the last you're going to hear from us on this podcast. That will do it for the State of the NL West podcast. On behalf of Just Baseball, he is Derek Johnson. I'm Dusty Baker. Join us again next week as we break down the happenings here on the Best Coast.